0: Welcome to a special spring edition of the Falcon and Focus podcast. My name is Matt Mendel and on today's program we talk acrobatic and tumbling with their second year head coach Sarah Koenig. As the team about to send five individuals to nationals for the first time in the program's now four year history. We also turn our attention to men's lacrosse. They have a couple of regular season matches remaining but preparing now for the Midwest Lacrosse Conference Tournament. We'll be joined by their faceoff specialist, Ben Grammarosa. But we begin our podcast by taking a look at the week that's been so far in Falcon Athletics. It's a week that has seen the men's golf team. They competed for the NAC Championship this past Monday, the 23rd of April. That's taking place down in Aurora, Illinois. And for the Falcons as a team, they finished in third place among nine schools, a 72-hole total of 1,273, at a program record surpassing last season's NAC Championship total. Individually, Sam Schlosser stealing the headlines as he overcame a four-shot deficit on Monday to win medalist honors. He had a 72-hole total of 299, that being the second-lowest 72-hole total in the NAC championship. Also set the program record for lowest 72-hole round by 16 total strokes. His first and final rounds of 71 are also tied for the third-lowest-round shot in program history. Schlosser. Becomes the second Falcon to win medalist honors at the NAC championship. Also, Nate Benjamin, with a score of 315, finished tied for ninth to earn all NAC honors. On Tuesday, the 24th of April, was softball. A big sweep in knocking off Lakeland. Knocked off the Muskies 3-1 in game one and came back and earned a hard-earned game two victory, 4-3 in nine innings. As the Falcon softball team battling for a tournament spot right now, they're a game back of that sixth and final NAC tournament spot. Note, the Knack tournament gets underway from Elverno College, May 3rd through the 5th. Individually in baseball, Concordia pitcher Scott Plachinsky was named to the D3Baseball.com Team of the Week after Friday, he was the winning pitcher, in a nice win against Concordia Chicago, followed up with a save in Game 2 as the Falcons were able to sweep 8th-ranked Concordia Chicago. Brad Gundel, a senior for the men's tennis team, was named the NAC Athlete of the Week in that sport after the men's tennis team on Saturday was able to knock off Marion 9-0 Edward 8-1. Then in men's lacrosse, the Falcons were able to sweep the Midwest Lacrosse Conference Weekly Accolades. Jack Donnellan the Offensive Player of the Week. Ben Grammaros, the, the Defensive Player of the Week. They had a big win against Benedictine, battling Mother Nature, but putting themselves now in position to host a Midwest Lacrosse Conference Tournament semifinal for a third consecutive year, fourth time overall. The very next day, they knocked off Concordia, Chicago as well. But we begin our Falcon and Focus podcast by taking a look at acrobatics and tumbling, Again, they will be sending five individuals to Erie, Pennsylvania for nationals. First time in program history. Stay tuned. When we come back, we talk with their head coach, Sarah Koenig, about that accomplishment and more here on Falcon and Focus. Welcome back to the Falcon and Focus podcast, and now I'll turn our attention to acrobatics and tumbling. Being joined by the second-year head coach of the Falcons, Sarah Koenig, third year now with this program. Sarah, for those that maybe aren't familiar with the sport, which is the 24th sport here at Concordia, it's in its fourth season on the Mequon campus. How would you how would you explain acrobatic and tumbling?
1: I would have to explain it as a really unique combination of different sports that are actually already implemented at different collegiate levels. So we kind of take some inspiration from artistic gymnastics. We draw a little bit of inspiration from competitive cheerleading. We even look really closely at acrobatic gymnastics uh, at the USAG and national levels. And we kind of pull all of these different elements and combine it into this new and unique sport. Different things that fans might see involved in a meet are going to be acrobatic elements, pyramids, tosses, and, of course, tumbling events.
0: So you mentioned... Okay, gymnastics, you know, competitive cheerleading. When you look for an athlete, okay, what, are, what are you kind of looking for in their background? All we, those and more?
1: A little bit of kind of what they've specialized growing up. So really, since it is such a new sport, there is no athlete coming to us who has competed in acrobatics and tumbling. However, we are pulling artistic gymnasts for their tumbling experience. We're pulling competitive cheer for their experience with stunting and tosses. And we're actually pulling athletes from different types of sports such as diving or even softball just for kind of what their background in athletics is and kind of being able to put all of these different experiences into something new.
0: You speak of experiences and you grew up around gymnastics. How how do you feel like gymnastics helped you in this sport?
1: For me, being able to draw on my experience, being an artistic gymnast growing up was invaluable to me. Being able to utilize the skill sets that I kind of trained all throughout high school and then not having to be done when I got to college was something that I really enjoyed and something I really liked about the sport. However, I will say that being able to be part of something new like acrobatics and tumbling also offered a new challenge for me as far as pushing what I thought I could do and different skills and trying different things.
0: Testing your memory a little bit, how did you get involved with gymnastics? How did that come about being your passion or your interest growing up?
1: I would have to say that my parents put me in a bunch of different sports when I was growing up, kind of just testing the waters, figuring out, seeing what stuck. And I just had a love for gymnastics. I loved being upside down. I loved being able to flip my body through the air. And I just loved the competitive atmosphere that it gave me. So I stuck with gymnastics growing
0: up. I'll say just hypothetically gymnastics wasn't an option. What would have been your number two?
1: That's an excellent choice. I think I probably would have had to say soccer, which is kind of not close at all to no. gymnastics, um, but that was the other sport that I was heavily involved in and kind of grew up doing.
0: What I love too is, is looking at your background, you're from Anchorage, Alaska. So, you know, of course we think in Wisconsin, even though we deal with a lot of snow, you think Alaska, you think a lot of snow, but it's not always snow in Alaska, is it?
1: No, definitely not during the summer. uh, We have very nice summer months, believe it or not. It's very short. However, we do get that whole daylight 24 hours a day type of thing that you hear about all the time. That is a real thing that we deal with. Um, But the summers are absolutely beautiful up there.
0: So then how do you go from Alaska to eventually going to college at Oregon? How did that come about?
1: So I actually took my first year at the University of Anchorage, Alaska, which is right up the street from my home because I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do with my life yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the fall, going into my sophomore year, I kind of started looking at different colleges and looking at different programs, mainly that had human physiology because that's what I was interested in. And I visited the University of Oregon's campus and absolutely fell in love with it.
0: And then all of a sudden, as you mentioned, now you're, you're part of the acrobatic and tumbling team. Okay, so how did that come about?
1: <laughs> another great question. So I was actually very fortunate to be able to try out for the acrobatics and tumbling team. I didn't even know that this was a sport when I went to Oregon. I had gone to the Did somebody the approach academics. you about it? Um, yes. Yeah, so actually, I had some people on campus that I had been talking to, and I kind of said, "You know, oh yeah, I used to do gymnastics when I was growing up." They said, "Oh, you should check out this team. We have this team called acrobatics and tumbling that you might really enjoy." I said, okay, well, that kind of sounds like fun, but it definitely was nerve wracking walking in there with all of these elite athletes and kind of having been out of it for a little bit since I took some time off was definitely a challenge.
0: What was that experience like? Okay, 2013-14, you're on a team that goes 12-1, and 1, part of a fourth straight national championship. What do you remember about that season? What was just that whole experience? How would you sum it up?
1: Well, that was my first year on the team, so it was just a whirlwind of different things coming at me, but it was an unforgettable and indescribable experience. I have to say, being on a team that was so dedicated and such competitive athletes really helped me become more of a competitive athlete and kind of expand my horizon, but also just being with a group that that is that passion about something was something really unique and being able to experience that national championship that first year was just absolutely amazing the atmosphere and the energy in the room was out of this world
0: It's kind of neat too as your teammates at least that year with Mackenzie Wilcox who was a co-chair at Concordia as well did you ever envision that at some point you two would both go the coaching route and you'd end up here in Mequon, Wisconsin?
1: Definitely not. That was actually a really funny uh, experience, a kind of roundabout way of how we ended up back together. When Kinsey called me, I was just finishing up my senior year uh, at Oregon, and she was looking for an assistant coach. She said she had taken over as head coach and was asking if I would be interested. And I didn't really think about coaching acrobatics and tumbling after graduating, so this was kind of... A different experience but you know I was able to get my master's degree and come out and kind of stay involved with the sport for a little bit longer so it was definitely a really really cool experience to be back with her.
0: We're talking with Sarah Kinnick the head coach of acrobatics and tumbling for Concordia third year of the program second year as the head coach so you're here one year as a grad assistant then all of a sudden you get promoted to head coach obviously exciting but was it stressful was it was it you know as, as you become the head coach what were some of the challenges that, that, that were put on your plate?
1: It was definitely a different experience than what I was expecting. Like you said, I was expecting to come here and kind of work as a graduate assistant for two years and then kind of figure out what else I was going to do with my life. But I just love this sport so much. And being involved with the athletes here, they are so dedicated. And I just love the passion that they really have for this sport. The community, our athletic director and athletic community here are just so supportive that it's definitely someplace that I thought I could help really grow this program and foster it, I'm sorry, into something new. So that was really exciting for me. I will say some of the challenges were definitely just taking over that new role and kind of having to have a lot more responsibility. There's a lot more things that you kind of have to be aware of as the head coach. But Kinsey did such an awesome job of teaching me when I was here that I really did feel like I was prepared going into the next role.
0: So in three years now with the program, how have you seen the program grow?
1: I think the athletes in general have gotten more confident in the sport itself. Like you said, since it's such a new sport, those first couple years were kind of just testing the waters, figuring out, you know, what is this, trying to teach them, you know, what, what we're actually competing in and things like that. So over the years, that confidence has definitely grown. And even the culture within the team has definitely shifted. I think they're kind of starting to realize what it takes to win, what it takes to get to nationals, things like that, and they're kind of starting to understand why practices are run the way they are, and why we're having them do things over and over again, and kind of starting to get that culture brought up.
0: And a great duration of this regular season by winning three of the last four meets, a victory over Georgetown College, a couple of victories against Adrian as well, but the the big story that came out, and it's all over cwfalcons.com as well, is the fact that for the first time in program history, there are five student athletes that are, that are, at-large recipients the pyramid heat three in the open at the at the nationals that are going to take place in erie pennsylvania coming up on the 28th of april talk about that event a little bit and those that are going to be in the event and just how big of a, a accomplishment it is for this program this you know early in the program's history
1: yeah, this is definitely huge for the program, not just for these athletes because they are so deserving and they put in so much work over the past couple of years to kind of get to where they are now, but it's huge for the program because it really represents the fact that even though Concordia is a Division three school, that our program is competing with those Division one and two teams, which is something that is just fantastic and really unique about our program and our sport. I will say that the athletes that are going are some of the most deserving athletes that I can ever think of. The whole team, I would love to have taken Mm -hmm. them with me, but pyramids, um, especially our Pyramid Heat 3, is definitely one of our stronger areas of competition, so I will say I'm not surprised that that was the first thing to qualify for nationals, just because that is one of our areas of strength. Um, I will say that moving forward, we definitely are looking forward to having more events qualify for nationals as the program continues to grow but I think that this is a really good jumping off point for them to understand that they can make it and that all their hard work really is paying off
0: and again you can check out cwfalcons.com for links to following the action coming up on the 20th of April I want to wrap it up quickly by just asking about the five seniors in this program that you know they were part of this foundation from day one to now what they've meant to the growth of this program as you guys celebrated their careers with that regular season you know ending meet a couple of weeks back
1: The senior class that is graduating definitely is a great role model for those athletes that are coming in. They have started here since the beginning. They've put up with coaching changes. They've put up with all sorts of different challenges. So really, their dedication to this program and this sport is something that is going to carry through to the next generation as more athletes kind of come through this program. Each one of them brings a different strength and kind of leadership role to our program, which is really nice because each of them really is dedicated in their own way, and they run practices, they talk with the team, and they really are able to make that connection with their teammates that I think is so important moving forward in in the growth of a program.
0: Well, Sarah, thanks a lot for your time. Best of luck this weekend and continued success.
1: Great. Thank you so much.
0: Welcome back to the Falcon and Focus podcast and I'll turn our attention to men's lacrosse and be joined by Ben Grammarosa, only a sophomore but already has had a big impact his first couple years with the Falcon men's lacrosse program and Ben, I want to begin going back to your high school days and you played football, you played lacrosse, I know lacrosse is real big out east, here from New York but but did you grow up around the sport, did did you watch the sport, how did you get involved with lacrosse?
2: I mean, I started when I was in seventh grade. Uh, you know, I, I I played baseball for, you know, uh, until, up until seventh grade. And then one of my friends was like, hey, you should try out lacrosse. So I tried it out. I really liked it. Um, I ended up playing lacrosse and football until, uh, well, I ended up playing football until I, was in, uh, until I was a junior and then I quit. And then I just stuck with lacrosse, focused on that, decided I wanted to play in college, and then pretty much just uh, got looked at by hearing and.
0: Here. now when you started playing lacrosse were you just kind of thrown out there did you did you have a position that you kind of gravitated toward early on
2: um well when I first started um you know i, I was i went out there as a midfielder but um the the way I actually started taking face offs was in tenth grade uh we didn't have a face off guy so my coach was like hey we're gonna have a face off tournament whoever whoever wins that you know you're gonna be taking face offs and i ended up winning i beat everyone and ever since 10th grade you know i' just been practicing faceoffs, face offs and that's how
0: why I'm here today. And yeah, we'll talk more about you being a face-off specialist as we go along. But, but you mentioned too, you know, besides lacrosse, football at the high school level. What position did you play in football?
2: Uh, I was a running back and cornerback. Uh, I figured out football really wasn't for me, being <laughs> being a smaller body. But um, it was still fun. I had I had some good moments, good memories.
0: What are some of those memories?
2: Uh, you know, just m- m- mostly just like being a part of the team. You know, we had, we had a great team. Uh, you know, we weren't that good. I mean, because. As you know, from out east, lacrosse is a lot bigger out there, but um, just mostly just being a part of the team, great guys.
0: I do have to ask you, though, from being out east, do you have a favorite NFL football team? Yeah, New York Giants. Why the Giants?
2: Uh, well, it's, it's 50-50 split, I'd say, for the most part, but um, my dad was a Giants fan growing up, growing up so uh, I just kind of took followed his path and
0: a Giants fan today. <laughs> You're from Smithtown. How close is that to the Big Apple?
2: Uh, I think a 45-minute, 10-hour train ride.
0: Okay. So yeah. And looking yeah. at football, did that sport help you at all in lacrosse, or did lacrosse help you in football? Did they kind of, you know, um, relax? I guess,
2: if anything, the the IQ, um, the IQ like vision on the field helped me a little bit, but um, yeah,
0: pretty much that. <laughs> but but did you know right away that that if you had a future in a sport, if you're going to play a sport collegiately, that it was going to be lacrosse versus football? Oh, or yeah, that...
2: because lacrosse. I mean, even though I didn't play that much in high school, you know, I had a couple great guys in front of me. Um football, I just, I don't know, I liked it, but I just, I knew my, my my love for the game was for lacrosse, and I felt, I, I knew I could, uh, I knew I could go someplace with it, so.
0: So how does a kid from Smithtown, New York, end up in Mequon, Wisconsin? Uh
2: you know, I was getting looked at by a couple other schools, I looked at this school, and uh, I really liked it, it was a smaller school on the lake, the coach was really nice, I met the guys when I came, everyone, I went in the locker room, everyone shook my hand, everyone's very supportive, so um, that just really, that, that hit me hard, so I.
0: Here. You mentioned the support as far as watching maybe the team at least that year. As you knew, you were maybe coming to Concordia. Maybe what stood out about the program itself?
2: Um, I know, well, I saw they had a winning record, which really is a big, big key. Um, I, like I said, I like, I like the team. I like the coaches. Uh, pretty much that.
0: And, and you look, okay. So you you, you come to Mequon, Wisconsin. You come to a program that's already you know starting to establish itself. It's, the foundation has been laid down. You're a freshman in 2017. Did you expect to have an impact right away, or was it one of those you want to go out there and you, you thought you'd have to prove yourself first yeah. before maybe you got the look? Um,
2: well, when a coach, uh, when coaches, when we were going back and forth before I committed here, coach told me, like, look, I think you could have an impact right away. But, I mean, me coming here, I mean, most coaches say that when they want to recruit you. So I wasn't really sure if I was going <laughs> to play a lot or not. But um, I got here, you know, uh, we have a couple great face-up kids out there, you know, Beansy and uh, Blaine, Blaine. Um, in right now but um, Beans is ahead of me but um, I just kept grinding and uh, I eventually uh, got the start and here I am today.
0: We're talking with Concordia sophomore Ben Grammarosa part of the men's lacrosse team and that freshman year coming again last spring 2017 you ended up playing in 13 games made 7 starts, you had 1 assist uh, 45 ground balls, 3 calls turnovers and a 64.2 face off winning percentage were you pleased with how your first season went?
2: Yeah of course I mean I didn't like I said, I didn't even expect to get that much playing time. I was just happy to be out there. Um, think went pretty good for being a freshman. You know, so the game's a little different than high school, a lot more high pace, um, but I think overall it went pretty well.
0: Is that the biggest adjustment, the pacing from the prep level to the collegiate game, or is there more to it?
2: Um, yeah, I'd say pacing. I mean, because, well, like I said, from the East Coast, our high school games were pretty high-paced, but I feel like this is definitely more high-paced. But, um, I don't know, I just... I guess lacrosse IQ on and off the field and just, yeah, it's pretty much just,
0: yeah. You know. And you mentioned earlier in this conversation about how you became a face-off specialist. Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, we mentioned 64.2 is your face-off winning percentage last year, north of 60 percent again now in this sophomore year. Is there a method of winning a face-off? I mean, you
2: know, every day we go out to practice, uh, we, like I said, us the face-off guys, we go out about 15, 20 minutes before, we always grind, um, coach always gets us ready by telling us, uh, new team, new face-off guy, what he does, what his moves are, so going into the game, I already know what this what this face-off kid's going to do, and um, I just keep practicing my emotions, and it really helps when I get into the game situation.
0: As you mentioned right now, you and Jack Melby are flip-flopping face-off specialist responsibilities, and. As we sit here, the team a couple of games left in the regular season. You've had one goal, a couple of assists, mm-hmm. almost 50 ground balls, three calls, turnovers, and again a 60 face-off winning percentage. First of all, are you pleased with the progress you've made from one year to the next?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, just getting that goal, I got really excited. Um, you know, because I haven't scored college goal before <laughs> before that one. But um, yeah, I think I think I'm pro- progressing. Um, yeah, you know, I'm gonna try and get like sixty five percent this year hopefully. So I just keep going up from there.
0: Glad you brought off that gold so I'm gonna ask you about it anyways. <laughs> that was on uh, April eighteenth against Benedictine. A snow game. We'll talk about the snow in a second. But but what do you remember from that goal? I, I'm I'm guessing it's fresh in your mind. Oh
2: yeah. So I just wanted I wanted to clean. Uh, I've been going behind, and coaches like hey, and coach and beans were like hey, try try going quick move forward. So I just did it. I had a fast break. The guy didn't really slide. He
0: just kind of showed it to me,
2: and I just took my opportunity and scored.
0: So that's your first collegiate goal. But have you ever had a goal before that? Any other level?
2: Uh, well, college I scored in fall ball, but that um, like we scored. Sure. I scored, I scored in like a scrimmage, but. Um. no actually high school I didn't really play that much I had I think an assist once but like I said this was like my first actual real goal so how about,
0: how about the weather on April 18th where all of a sudden you call it sleeping a little bit in the first half yeah. but the second half it feels completely covered yeah, that,
2: was, that, was, like, that was insane I've never seen anything like that before I mean like you said first half was fine it was cold but then Second half, it's just the snow, and you know, it was getting stuck in our cleats, and everything it was kind of screwing with our sticks a little bit. But we got through it.
0: Yeah, you still went twelve for fifteen on faceoffs in that game. Did footing become an issue in that second half?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was I was slipping, I was slipping all over the place. I mean, guys on the team were complaining like the snow was getting stuck in their cleats and whatnot. I mean, but uh, we we got through it. I mean, the, the snow was definitely definitely a factor.
0: Yeah, regardless, you were named the Midwest Lacrosse Conference Defensive Player of the Week. What does that mean to you to get that accolade for a second uh, time?
2: It's it's an honor. I mean, I just, I saw it. and I was just, actually, my mom, my mom called me and she was like, hey, you got a Defensive Player of the Week? I didn't even know yet. But it's, it's definitely an honor. I mean, I got it once last year. This is my first time this year and it's just, it's an honor getting it.
0: So again, as we sit here, the team sits with 10 victories, five defeats, five and one in conference ploy, tied for a second with Benedictine. But you guys hold the tiebreaker with an opportunity to host for a third straight year, at least the tournament semifinal. Teams won four straight. Your thoughts on where this team's at right now through 15 matches?
2: Uh, I think I think we're pretty pretty well focused. I mean, um, you know, we got we got from here on out, we got two two important games that we want to we want to lock up that two seed definitely and host the home game. But um, I, think, I think the guys are pretty focused. We're, we're ready to go.
0: And not looking too far ahead, but, but anybody that's in the tournament realizes that probably if you're going to win the tournament championship, you have to find a way to beat Aurora. They're the right. team to beat. They're about to win a sixth consecutive regular season championship. You guys certainly played them tough. Lost 7-5 to five back on the 5th of April. In your opinion, what has to happen? If someone's going to beat Aurora, what's the game plan? Is it just uh, being flawless?
2: Yeah, I mean, we just got to keep, keep grinding. I mean, we know, we know what they do. We know they're a great team. And we, we know we're, we have capable players that are, we, like, we're a capable team. We could beat them. We just got to put our mind to it. And, um, you know, this, this team would love to beat Aurora in the, in the championship because it didn't happen last year, and we lost to them this year, first time. So we, we would love to beat them.
0: Well, Ben, thanks a lot for your time. Best of luck this week with the uh, final two regular season matchups. And uh, we'll see you in the tournament. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Falcon and Focus podcast. We thank both Sarah and Ben for their time as they prepare for busy weeks, a busy week all around the campus per usual as the spring seasons are slowly but surely wrapping up and for some already wrapping up this weekend, taking a look at the road ahead in men's golf. Friday, they will be at the Edgewood Spring Invitational from Middleton. We'll tee off at 11 a.m., also in action on Saturday and Sunday at the St. Norbert Invitational in Wrightstown. Women's lacrosse wraps up their regular season coming up on Friday. They'll be at Augsburg at 11 a.m. Big matchup there. The two teams are currently tied for second. And so Friday's matchup will determine who will be the number two and number three seed in the following weekend's Midwest Women's Lacrosse Conference Tournament to be hosted by Hamlin. And then they will most likely Augsburg and Concordia, Wisconsin, will play each other the very next weekend in a Midwest Women's Lacrosse Conference Tournament semifinal Same thing happened last year in which the Falcons ended up playing Augsburg near the end of the regular season, lost in overtime, but then played Augsburg again the very next weekend in the Midwest Women's Lacrosse Conference Tournament semifinal and came away with the victory. Men's Lacrosse wraps up their regular season on Saturday at Cornell as, again, they have their eyes set on hosting a Midwest Lacrosse Conference Tournament semifinal yet again. Softball, it's a busy stretch. They are in the midst of 12 games in seven days. Friday, a doubleheader at Edgewood 12 noon. Saturday is already Senior and Parents Day, that's against Rockford. Sunday will be at MSOE, and then Monday, wrapping up their regular season in non-conference play against Mount Mary. In men's tennis, they will be taking on Lakeland from Kohler at 4 p.m. on Friday. At Aurora, coming up on Saturday before turning their attention to the NAC tournament, a tournament the Falcons won a year ago. Women's tennis is in action on Sunday, that against North Park and women's track and field in action this weekend as well from UW-Whitewater, also in action on Saturday and Sunday. Women's golf at the Augustana Invitational, That down in Rock Island, Illinois. And baseball, you only have one doubleheader to speak of. That will come your way on Saturday in River Forest, Illinois, against Dominican. First pitch of game one at 12 noon. We invite you to check out cuwfalcons.com for links to live audio, live video, live stats in the course. Also check out CWFalcons.com following the competition for a complete box scores, recast of all the weekend's happenings. Thanks to our producer extraordinaire, Steve Sauer, everybody else involved in our podcast. Matt Metzl saying so long for now, and thank you for stopping by and tuning in to the Falcon and Focus podcast.